it's always been. We rise up to the challenge, we give the game our all. With sheer determination, we go in for the ball. Hi everybody, welcome to the Cats Cast. My name is Willow and tonight we are joined by uh, two very special guests. We've got two of the big footy elites. Let's start with the Jester. Welcome, Jest. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been a while. It um, has. Uh, I'm hoping you uh, follow through on your promises of merchandise for contributors. That's why I'm here. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> and also, we've got joining us is Big Footy Cats moderator, Cat Empire. Welcome, CE. Yeah, Willow. Good to be here again. And uh, like the jester, I could only be lured back with a Cats Cast t-shirt <laughs> on the line. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put in a call to the suppliers. <laughs> no, good to be here. Actually, I will start with a dis- disclaimer, or not a disclaimer, but there has been a few people that have won shirts and they're literally sitting on the front seat of my car. So apologies, I haven't got them posted <laughs> out yet, but I was without a vehicle for a bit when it was at the mechanics. So um, unfortunately, they were in it at the no, time. Hey? I've got them. No excuses now. I know. I have got them and they will be sent. They've just been delayed. So, Very good. getting on to the the really important stuff. I think since our last, uh, the last show we had where we had SJ and, uh, and Ryan on, we had just lost to Collingwood. Um, and then we followed that up by... Two pretty ordinary efforts. One very ordinary effort against the Bombers, uh, but and also losing to the Suns. Um, it's worth noting that we've been trying to get this podcast happening for a couple of weeks. So um, initially it was meant to be very ranty, but uh, the last two weeks have changed changed the the focus a little bit. So the best place to start is... Um, I suppose, what do you gentlemen think the last four weeks has has shown us? I mean, the the obvious question is, which is the real Geelong? Is it the the pretty insipid mob that showed up against Essendon? Or the ferocious mob that showed up against the Bulldogs? Um, or somewhere in between? And, and, and where do you see us, I suppose, levelling out as we're going forward? I'll start with you, C.E.? Yeah, I think um, I've been grappling with this, I guess, like everyone has, but I think what where I land on it is that when, you, when you're not clearly better than everyone else in the league, um, you're going to have good days and bad days, and, um, and that can be due to a number of different factors, I guess. But um, I think what Geelong's showing in... This season is that uh, when it's on, it's it's good enough to compete with most teams and, and beat a lot of teams. But um, for whatever reason, if if something's not happening on the day, then we're as exposed as anyone really, and any any side can get us. And I think we that patch where we lost to Collingwood, Gold Coast, and Essendon just showed that um, Geelong is is. Uh, is gettable, and um, if things don't go right, you can you can knock them off. Yep, Jester. Um, oh, probably 
a little bit the same as CE. I think um, clearly this side is not is not ever going to be you know dominant in the way um, the sort of last few Geelong Premiership sides have been. But um, I I think the last two weeks probably are closer um, to what they are capable of and what sh- they should be maintaining. Um, I guess I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, in the aftermath of that Essendon win. Um, I know we're going to talk about this a bit later, but sort of Chris Scott said he was finally willing to acknowledge that effort might actually be an issue where previously he'd sort of said, you know, I think it's nonsense to say that um, professional footballers have to, you know, that their effort dips from week to week or, or changes from week to week. Um, and then and then after the uh, dogs game, he sort of walked that back and he said, well, you know, it, it's a it's a lot of things. It's not it's not really effort, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Mitch Duncan came out um, and said, well, it wasn't effort as, as such. It was we we had a chat with the coaches about, you know, where we should be positioning ourselves around stoppages to, to make um, to be more effective at making tackles and so on. So I think um, I think that maybe makes me lean to a bit more towards um, the last two weeks of the real Geelong in the sense that it was um, it was sort of a tactical thing that could be solved rather than. Um, purely a mental thing, purely an issue of concentration. So I reckon, yeah, this is a real Geelong. But having said that, we're about to play probably the best side in the competition um, on Friday night, so that might be a bit more of an actual test of where we're at. Do you just... I know we said we'll we'll probably look at it later, but we may as well, while we're on it, touch on it anyway. Do you... I mean, I, as much as... I'm just getting your thoughts on this. Where the Duncan sort of towed the party line, and I heard that interview. I think it was on um, Crunch Time. Oh, I was on the Crunch, like, mate, yeah. with you know Jam getting very excited about Mitch Duncan using big words. Yes, which was, yeah. of course, Dermy Wood. That's it. It was, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have a feeling Mitch performed a bit of uh, blasphemy in that interview as well. But um, he did. He did. <laughs> A little bit of an in joke there, but uh, he he referred to um, it was the talk about. I've heard that it was talk about technique and and where they were positioning, but I don't know if I hundred percent buy that it was that because I'm, and I granted I didn't go to the to the Essen game, but the doggies game I don't remember being at a, a Geelong game recently where they've had. You could just, you could just sense. I feel you could sense in it, and it was in the atmosphere and everything. It was just there was an intensity and an intent to tackle that I don't reckon we'd seen the few weeks before. I mean, in the first minute, you could tell it was a different. It felt like a different approach, and it wasn't just people sticking tackles. They were there was like group tackles that were multiple occasions where there was three or four guys piling on so I was I thought it was I thought it was more effort and and work rate and intensity Um, so probably where do you see it CE as if sort of I've sort of taken one stand and um, just looking at the other side I'm not is there a right or wrong answer for this is it somewhere in the middle or is it one of them I have always struggled with this issue about effort and and I've probably played both sides of it from time to time, I think, and waded into the debate on both sides of it. But I think there's you just can't 
you just can't say that the contrast between the Essendon game and the Bulldogs game had nothing to do with effort, I think. Um, just You only need to watch the game to see the approach by the players to the contest. and um, It wasn't about where they were standing. It was, it was the way they were attacking the ball and attacking the player with the ball. And um, that has to be do that has to do with um, with mindset to some extent, at least I think. Um, and I don't I don't um, doubt that there are other factors as well. And and um, you know I think the fact that we we got to play at home, it was the opening of the new stand. I think everyone was really fired up for other reasons. Um, and I'm sure that the coaching group. Um, was able to harness a bit of that, and I'm sure the coaching group put in place some tactical differences um, from the Essendon game. But um, I just can't dismiss the fact that uh, there had to be some element of mindset change and some element of a different approach from the players to attacking the contest. They just—it was just apparent from watching watching their their attack on the ball. I would. I How much would... of a difference? Do you think um, Scott Selwood made? Yeah, he makes a fair difference. He's angry, isn't he? He's yeah. a very angry well, man. He's a... <laughs> but you watch him at the games, he's like a terrier. He just, like, yeah. he's just all arms and legs when he runs as well, if that makes sense. Like, he as he runs after people, he spreads himself out, and as yeah. they try to get past him, he makes himself big, and just whatever he can yeah. grab him with, he's just ferocious, and it's just... That's that's forged from years of being the smallest kid in the backyard against three bigger <laughs> brothers who obviously don't mind it themselves. But like you just get the sense he just fights for everything and he loves it. But yeah, I also uh, think I think there had to be that had to be a factor. I was going to say, um, uh, you know, one player comes in and has what was it, seventeen tackles or something. Um, uh, I think that does make a difference just around the contest other players seeing that um are, you know are uh, a bit more motivated i think to step up to the mark and and to to do the same thing so i, I think he made a huge difference and and that continued on last week he he played a similar game um i, I wouldn't undersell his his influence in other ways as well but because i think he's kicked a, uh, one or two, two quite good goals as well and uh, I think his foot skills have been pretty good, actually, which is not usually a, a strong suit of his. But um, yeah, definitely his his attack on the on the on the ball and on the play with the ball, I think, has been exceptional, and and that had to had to have made a difference. Yep, I think it's infectious as well when they start. That's when that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, when yeah. someone does it and everyone, and especially because that was a pretty electric night that Friday night against the doggies. To the point where there was stages where it was just tackle, 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 and the crowd was actually like applauding and and cheering on the tackles as much as anything else. And I think, and I reckon the players all just fed off it, and they all just it just kept going and going and going. But I think that also that means that's they've shown now that not that they're going to achieve that you know, ridiculously high amount of tackles every week, but surely that's got to be the the standard that they're aiming for as opposed to five tackles in 
whatever it was against the Bombers where they had five tackles in a quarter or a half or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, that was pretty extraordinarily poor, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, you would think as well for a team that maybe isn't so quick on the outside, it is a sort of tactical necessity that we um, that we tackle hard and we keep ball the ball locked up in stoppages and don't let runners get free on the outside. So, looking at the... I guess the... Yeah, mate. Just, just to close out that, that sort of argument... Um, I, I think it is a bit of a concern, and, and it's not just a Geelong thing. I think um, whenever I see teams that are reliant on the level of effort they bring to the game or the level of intensity, tackling intensity they bring to a game as being a real key part of whether they win or not, I think inevitably you find that those sorts of teams can't keep that up for um, you know 20 games a year, there, there are inevitable lapses in effort and application that mean those teams have bad weeks. And at the moment, that, that I think, does explain in part um, this Geelong team um, when it's had a few weeks where it just hasn't been applying that same level of pressure. It really drops back to the pack and, and in fact, gets beaten by teams that are willing to move the ball quickly. So... Um, it is a bit of a worry for me. I think that our fortunes are are um, up and down with the with the level of pressure we can apply. And it does also make you hugely dependent on how the umpires are adjudicating holding the ball, because if <laughs> you know that that sort of extreme fluctuation between um, their willingness to call it sort of as it's written against. You know, it seems to be, like, even the last couple of weeks, it seems to be tracking back towards more. They're willing to just let players drop it and um, and sort of prioritise prior opportunity and say, oh, no, you know, you didn't have a chance, so, um, you know, you can dispose of it incorrectly. Um, and that sense as well that they're prepared to do that if it means the ball keeps moving, which obviously is sort of the opposite of the, of the tactical outcome you're trying to achieve if you're a hard tackling side you want to lock the ball in and if the umpires say well we're not going to reward you then that can be a, a pretty serious problem do yep, you totally agree do we find um in what to me looks like probably one of the most even years you could remember like there's every week there's there's every team's beating every team bar you know brisbane basically but um, everyone seems to be a chance at any given day against anyone else. So, whilst the like the the gap between the best and the worst, I think for a lot of teams has appeared pretty stark. Like I'd say, there'd be nearly every team would have had games like the top teams as well had games that they weren't happy with, and that similar to our when we played Collingwood type of a game. So. Is it going to be a case where it's the type of year where um, you may be able to afford to have these sort of lapses early in the year as long as if you can straighten it out and get everything humming along for sort of the last six, seven weeks of the, the season? That could be all that, not all that's needed, but do you know what I mean? That could be what is required to, that's going to be the team that has the best shot at winning a flag in this particular year. Uh, yeah, I would think so. And 
and a bit like I mean a bit like last year, right? All you got to do is win all, but you know you've got to win three to four games, and you've got to be in the best form in finals. And I mean, given our record over the last few years, that's obviously a concern. But um, yeah, it's clearly it's clearly not a year in which there is a a side or a couple of sides that are going to be totally dominant and who are going to duke it out. It's going to form is going to fluctuate, and it's going to be the team that can string together three games in September that's going to win it. See you. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's it seems um it seems like that way. Uh, I think it was that way last year, and I think that's why the Bulldogs were able to um, have a good run and get through um, and win the flag. Um, yeah, the the question mark over Geelong is really just um, I guess given our recent record in finals, whether um whether we've changed enough to be able to string a few good finals together. And um, I think that's still a question mark everyone has. Yep. Now, looking forward to this Friday night, we have uh, the Crows down in Geelong. The Crows who have, well, they've beaten the heck out of a lot of teams, but they've also copped a couple of beltings back themselves that they really wouldn't have expected to when... Uh, you know, North exposed them pretty badly by kicking 10 goals to nothing in a quarter on them. And then I have a feeling that when Melbourne beat them, they were five or six goals in front of Melbourne at one point and they ended up losing by seven or eight goals, I think, off the top of my head. So um, how do you see this week playing out, Jester? Well, I have actually not seen any of Adelaide... Um, this year, because I reckon they must only have been on TV in the ACT once. But um, from what I mean, it's just it's hard to quantify the home ground advantage that that we get from playing in Geelong. Um, you would think the Crows, you know, sort of the ongoing question mark around the Crows is the depth of their midfield, and that's maybe one area that at the moment feels quite good for us because, um, you know, obviously you've got Danger, Field and Selwood, but also Scott Selwood, um, Men and Goal has been in pretty good form too. Um, Duncan's been in sensational form as well. So um, I think, I think again, it might just come down to, you know, a couple of kicks either way in the last quarter. And in, and in that kind of scenario, you know, it's almost hard to say... <sighs> That the better team wins, as opposed to just the team that gets the bounces. But so I could, I, I think it's totally conceivable that we'll win by, you know, a goal or two. But equally, that we might, might just get pipped at the post by, um, you know, a kick, with, a, a goal with two minutes to go or something like that. See? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I, I, I think, um, I think we do match up well against Adelaide, and now, um system seems to work well against them I think uh, last year we beat them twice and I, I seem to remember at least going into the maybe the first one of those Adelaide might have been quite fancied um, but yeah I, I don't think they troubled us at all really in in either match and I think yeah as Jester said we've got that midfield advantage I think um, which certainly helps and also I think the way that, at least the way they played last year, where they did get a lot of goals out the back, we seem to um, we seem to be able to set up very well to defend that that type of play. 
and we just didn't give them those opportunities. And I think oh, I'm a bit with Jester. I haven't seen too much of Adelaide this year, but um, and I think they have changed the way they play a little bit. But um, I'd be reasonably confident that we we match up well against them. And at, at Cadinia Park, we we should um, have an advantage that you know at least makes it close. And um, yeah, if, if a few of our better players play well, I would I'd be confident we win. The the first time we played them last year, from from memory, we probably should have been ten goals up at half time. I reckon the first half we played against them was nearly the best footy we played all year last year, but we kicked atrociously. And that's right. And the, the, we were awful. And then they kicked a couple of goals at the start of the third quarter, or I think Sloan kicked a goal from a fairway out on a pretty tight angle. And I think they may have hit the front or got within a point or two. But then after that, we we um, I think we put them away and we, we ran out reasonably comfortable. So three or four goals, I think, from memory. Um, and the game at Cadinia Park, I just remember that we won. I can't even remember. I don't think we were... I don't think it was, as you said, I don't think we were overly, it was overly tight or really in doubt at um, any real point. Um, there's There was a bit of talk. They have what they've been, from what I've seen this year, and I've obviously watched, I see a few Adelaide games because my other half's an Adelaide supporter. Um, it's hard to judge because at home, they just can make teams look, second rate and they slice teams open um, but then when they're out in the elements a bit more down in Tassie they looked absolutely putrid North got them I think set up early against them and just put an extra man behind the ball um, and they they I'm pretty sure I read somewhere they were saying that it was almost like well, Brad had obviously spoken to Chris during the week and, and they'd, <laughs> used the, they'd used the blueprint that Geelong had used against them by not getting sucked too far up the ground and um, leaving a defender, a spare defender deep and just cutting it off when they try to get it in quick and over the back. Um, Melbourne, I'm pretty sure Melbourne played them when we were embarrassing ourselves against Essendon. So I was watching Mm -hmm. that game. Um, I know from what highlights I've seen, Melbourne had enormous pressure like... Similar to the pressure we put on against the Doggies, where just every time a Crows player got the ball, he was swamped. And one big key in both, or one big um, similarity in both results, was that Sloan had little influence in yep. in both of their losses. So I'd imagine that Scotty Selwood has a job this week. And if mm-hmm. he is you know, brings the same level of pressure he has the last two weeks, that'll go a long way towards us getting over the line. Um, yeah, def- definitely agree on Sloan. He seems to be pretty pivotable, pivotal for, for Adelaide. Um, and um, I think that highlights that that we've got, a, I think, a little bit more depth in, in our midfield than they do. I know when Melbourne got them... Um, uh, yeah, as you say, Sloan had a quiet game, but 
I think for memory, Melbourne's midfield really was all over them. I think Viney and Oliver yeah, I think and Oliver uh, destroyed them, didn't he? I think. Yeah, they really had big, big games. And um, I, I'm just looking at the stats now. Sam Jacobs had 74 hitouts in that game, but um, Melbourne won the clearances and the contested ball. And I think we'll be looking for something similar this week. Even if Jacobs gets on top, we'd be hoping that Dangerfield and Selwood and Duncan and Scott Selwood and Menegola all all get on top in the midfield. Um, we also, there was also the, um, there is an injury in the Crows that I heard about during the week. I think uh, Hampton, Kirtley Hampton's out for three months with a broken ankle or something, and he has been giving them a bit of, a bit of zip and a bit of obviously he's a big body with a bit of speed and um, he had been good for them as an extra uh, midfielder as well. Um, so that's another one of theirs that's that's out, um, which obviously can help our cause. Do we? What ex- changes are we expecting? Are we expecting any changes for for Friday, Jester? I don't think so. No one was injured, were they? I think Lonergan was managed. Um, oh, you would talk I mean, that he might have had a tight calf. Oh, you would think. I mean, you know, Tommy. I think we all think it's um, the time is approaching uh, when when Tommy will have to be put out to pasture. And um, <laughs> I, 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 to be fair to him, you know there. There was a suggestion that he perhaps would have played a bit better on Dixon than Henderson did. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting actually to see whether or not they try and bring him back in to um, uh, try and bring him back in um, to go with that taller backline, or if they'll um, if they'll go with something that's a bit more balanced, maybe. So, do you see yeah, the, any changes? Uh, the only other one that I think that they're entertaining is Cockatoo. Um, who has been reported as a test, I think, this week. So um, if he was if he was available, I think he's in the best 22. It's just, I guess, with a hamstring, whether you risk him in a game like this, um, he'd, you'd want to be very confident that he's fine to go. Especially with but I do us think... having a week off next week as well. Exactly, yeah. But I do think we have a couple of players, probably the 21st and 22nd pick players in the team at the moment are really only there because, um, you know, shown some good signs, but they're really only there because other players are unavailable and um, guys like Parsons and um, Kuniko, I think, wouldn't be there if we had other players available. Um, We were closer to our best 22. Sorry. sorry, I thought. Um, sorry, guys. I thought Cunico played well. Um, for a debutante. I agree. I thought he was good. All right. I thought he was. He looked. There was one moment he had. I think in the maybe it was the last quarter where he sort of wheeled around, did a big U-turn, and just he was in the, almost on the half back line, and he tried to just belt it back over his shoulder. That I thought, oh, that's you get away with that in the VFL, but. The Port boys were right onto him, and um, and and so I think the kick was smothered, and he was straight under the under the pump. But I, 
for his first game, I didn't. There was not much. There was not really anything to be critical of. He he used the ball pretty well. I think he um, he was pretty smart with it. He didn't seem to. He didn't shirk an issue. He took a really good contested mark after Solwood took a hanger. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So I think he'd have to have been. They'd have to have been reasonably content with with how he settled in. Yeah, t- yeah, totally, agree with, totally agree with both of you. I, uh, and um, my comment was more just about if other players were available, I j- he just wouldn't have got that opportunity, really. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. Given um, the game he played, you can't really complain. It was a, it was a solid game for, for a debut, and hopefully he he gets more opportunities because he does have some attributes, I think, which we're not um, we're not long in, which is you know a bit of outside. Um, poise and skill um so hopefully he comes on and gets a few more opportunities this year because i think he's the type of player we could really do with yep now you mentioned uh before in the when adelaide played melbourne that sam jacobs had a field day hit out wise one player who i've been um pretty happy with the last couple of weeks particularly early i think against port he was better and he was very good against the dogs albeit who don't really or didn't really have a ruckman, um, is Zach Smith. Um, what are your thoughts on how he's going in our ruck situation in general? Jester? Oh, just when he takes those long, loping strides away from the contest with the ball tucked under his arm, reminds me of a young Mark Blake in his prime. Warms <laughs> 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 um, the heart, doesn't it? Oh, it just brings back beautiful memories. Um, no, I think he's been good. I mean, I, I still think he... I mean, I, I guess to be expected for a guy of his height, he at, at times I don't think he looks like the strongest in, in contests. Um, but, you know, his hit-out numbers are great. And um, and I think, you know, he's taken some strong tested marks. Um, I do actually think his ability to sort of... Um, just get a stride or two away from congestion um, and then release the handball or something is a really good asset. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think he's been impressive. And But, you know, Ryder was challenging, um, but maybe because, um, you know, Ryder's a different kind of ruckman. He's got that leap um, and he's really good around the ground. Um, Jacobs, I guess, is of a similar height and um, similar build. So he's going to... I think it'll be a really interesting um, challenge for Smith if he can to try and get on top of him um, uh, in the actual ruck contest. But then also, you know, who has the most influence around the stoppages once the ball hits the ground? CE, how are you seeing our ruck situation at the moment? Yeah, look, uh, I think he probably had some disappointing games leading up to the Bulldogs game. And... But he was just outstanding in that game. He he probably didn't face much um, from on the Bulldogs side, but he just dominated, and that's really what we needed from him. Um, uh, and hopefully it gave him a bit of confidence. I thought he was pretty good against Ryder. It was a pretty even contest, and I think Ryder's been one of the better rucks in the competition this year. So um, to you know basically break even, I thought, um, was a good outcome there. And now he's got Jacobs this week. Again, another big challenge. I think Jacobs has um, 
some attributes that can trouble teams, but he he can also be exposed a little bit as well. And I think we've seen Reece Stanley trouble Jacobs a little bit in the past, last year, I think. Um, so that's actually, talking about selection, that would be the other one that they'd be thinking about, I think, is, um, is whether they bring Stanley in, send Taylor back, and... Um, and perhaps go a little smaller in defence because I think Stanley's an option that they would be keen to th- to think about bringing in against Jacobs. Yep. Um, all right, and that leads us that leads us really well onto our next topic, which was we're going to have a look at just the way the forward line is is functioning at the moment. Um, early days, the first few weeks, it looked it looked. We looked pretty potent, and we were we were getting a lot of uh, we were scoring on a lot of entries into the fifty. Then we sort of went through that patch where we were um, struggling a bit, and at times it looked like we didn't. We there was just I had no confidence that we could that we could put a score on, and then um, our entry going forward last week was. Was for the I thought especially early it was really good the first half, um, and then my impression when I was when I left the game was that we were as it got later we probably just weren't as clean forward. So how do you see how do you see a forward line functioning or how do you think it's going at the moment? I'll start with you, CE. Yeah, I totally agree that we looked really potent in those first five wins. Um, Hawkins and Menzel in particular were just combining so well. Um, Don't have the numbers in front of me, but they probably, in those five games, um, they probably kicked, um, uh, you know, 30 goals between them or something like that. Um, And since the Collingwood, I think Menzel missed the Collingwood game which we lost, but I don't think it was because we missed Menzel. We we were just thoroughly beaten that day. And then Menzel came back against the Gold Coast, and he hasn't looked the same since, really. Um, He's kicked a couple of goals in most games, but really hasn't looked as dangerous. And you just got to, I guess you got to ask whether that's because the team hasn't been playing as well or whether the forward line hasn't been functioning as well. And um, sometimes they're, they're um, two sides of the same coin, I guess. Um, and I think the other aspect of the forward line this year has been we've we've probably missed... I think we had McCarthy in the team early on before he got the groin issue and he was looking pretty good. And I think with no Gregson and, um, and Cockatoo and Motlop, I guess, a bit up and down... Um, We've probably lacked that other classy um, small option in the forward line, um, and that that's still to be resolved, I guess, because at the moment we're we're putting sort of stopgap measures in um, to try and fill that role. Um, so I think, yeah, on the whole, the forward line I think has improved this year. Um, but the last few weeks, I think, have been a little bit worrying and, and it'd be good to see things get back on track. Yep. Jester? Um, 
Uh, I, I think that point you made about the delivery um, uh, on the weekend is is really well made. You know, it's probably it's probably a commentary on what has been happening over the last few years that when we, you know, hit some passes, sort of lace out to leading forwards inside 50, you know, he did a bit of a double take and went, you know, oh, wow, that's, you know, it's been so long since I've seen that happen. Um, but then as the pressure of the game ramped up again, it, it sort of became, um, it became elements of hit it, hit it and hope. Um, I think, I think what I would say is, is just that, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of our list management um, strategy so far. But if if there was one major criticism I had beyond sort of individual deals that have failed, it'd be that they don't seem to the club doesn't seem to rate goals as being produced by talent. They they um, they seem to see it as solely the preserve of um, of system or even just weight of inside fifties. So um, I think yeah, that absence that absence of a small forward, but um, but even then, you know, guy like we're playing guys there who are, who don't necessarily have the greatest goal sense in the world, who who have other strengths to their game. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons I'd like to see Motlop spend more time inside fifty, particularly given that his form around the ground is not great. I think his creativity and his ability to sort of make things happen would would make a really big difference when the ball hit the ground. Um, because yeah, it's it is beginning to feel a bit like after those those early weeks where. Um, it, it looked really dangerous with Menzel not firing so much. It is beginning to look a lot like what's happened in the last few years of you know kick it long to a contest and um, and just and just do that repeatedly and, and hope that somehow we'll, we'll manufacture a goal out of it. I completely agree with you, the Motlop point, just because especially with other players obviously injured that they you you'd imagine they had planned to be there I think he would give you that real live wire dangerous um, option that you know he only needs to a half a chance and he can he can do anything and especially if he gets his tail up he he's literally capable of putting him in from anywhere so uh, that he, if he was to be camped out forward I reckon that would make a huge difference to just how we how we look and it just a bit at times of late, it just feels like really hard work going forward for us and for us to produce. Um, yeah. While I, while we're on it, and how are you finding both of you finding the Harry Taylor situation against the doggies? It was amazing. Then last week it really crashed back down to earth, and um. It was one of the worst games I've ever nearly ever seen someone play. I don't even know if he touched the ball for most part. So um, the only time I could remember him getting the footy was when he got that poke in the eye in the last quarter. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's not a long term answer. Obviously, is it? Is it just because they're worried that he's he's dropped away? Is it that they're they've obviously got a bit of faith. In the and and um, they're wrapped with the way young Buzzer is developing in the twos, but he's still obviously pretty green and too too raw to be put in. So is it just a stopgap while they keep putting the the development to him? Is it just that we don't have any other options that they see? Yeah, it's probably pretty damning of how they see our other options. I think that they're willing to 
um, have Taylor spend so much time forward. I mean, he kicked um, he kicked two goals in the first eight games, um, playing mostly forward. Um, and you know, people can talk about how he drew drew a good defender and gave more opportunities for Hawkins and Menzel, but. There were periods of games where Taylor went back and we, we looked equally as potent. I don't think that that was really a factor for us. I think Taylor's generally not going to deliver the goods for you as a forward. Um, I'd prefer us to try and um, develop some longer-term options, be that um, Stanley, who can um, who's never going to be a world-beater as a forward, but at least he can ruck a bit. Um, or um, starting to look at other options like Buzzer. I actually thought Black has looked good from in in the couple of games he played, and I would have liked to have seen them persist with that a little bit more. Um, he's not the same sort of pack marking type as as um, some of the bigger forwards, but he's got he's actually got some forward craft, and he he once the ball hits the ground, he knows where the goals are, and he, he knows how to bring other players into the game. And, I think that's a bit underrated in Geelong's way of playing. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think um, I think they have persisted with the Taylor experiment because they want to play Taylor in the best. They see Taylor in the best twenty-two, but they don't want to play um, a backline that that's that is so tall, so, you know, Flames as a centre-half forward potentially kills two birds with one stone. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just not working as well as it, as you would hope it would. Um, and I agree with CA. I, I didn't think Black was terrible in, in the games he played. I haven't, I haven't seen any VFL this year, but from the highlights, he's he has looked dangerous. And again, maybe, um, you know, I, th- I think this sort of... Um, this belief we need another tall forward, we need another contested marking option. I'm not, I'm not as convinced of that because I think the issue is you can have as many contested marks as you want inside the forward line. If there's if there's ten to twelve players um, all within the vicinity of the ball um, that gets you know bombed in long, your chances of taking a mark are so incredibly slim that adding someone else isn't going to make a difference to that. So. Um, I think Black would add something a bit different, and he's um, because he is that more lead up forward, but also um, maybe has a bit more creativity when the ball hits the ground. Um, so I'd like to see them give him a crack, but I just I just think that they're they've sort of tied themselves in knots with their unwillingness to sort of bite the bullet on the on the composition of the back line, and I can't I, I guess maybe Lonigan Lonigan being out last week suggests maybe they're prepared to to make some hard calls but I kind of can't see it happening so I think I think they're probably going to persist with Taylor all right we'll get on to um so we'll look at now just and we're probably we've got a few other things we were going to touch on but I reckon we'll probably cover off some of them um in this next bit at the moment so time for your flyers and your floppers uh, we'll start with who you think is flying at the moment, and I'll start with you, CE. Oh, put on the spot. I wasn't really ready for this. Um, but the name that comes to mind is uh, is probably putting a little bit of a different spin on flying, but it's just his consistency this year has really impressed me, and it's Mitch Duncan. Um, you know, we've been talking for so long about wanting him to step up and be that 
great support role um, for Dangerfield and Selwood. And I really think this season he's, he's barely put a foot wrong in in any game. So um, just really happy with the way he's, his consistency has shone through this year. I think he was an obvious one to be flying, so... Not even putting a different spin on it. I just think he's going great guns at the moment. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess the, what I mean by that is he, he might not have been in, might not have had a best on ground yet. I'm not sure, maybe one or two, but he's just he's really probably been in our best almost every week, and um, that's that's exactly what we wanted from him is that level of consistency. Yep, Jester. Uh, pretty hard to go past Scott Selwood for mine. Um, watching that game against the Dogs, I thought, uh, you know, if it's a choice between him and Josh Caddy, I'm taking I'm taking Scott Selwood every time. But then I did think, oh, you know, in these kind of games, Caddy would sink some miraculous shot, set shot from the boundary from 50 to um, win us the game. And then lo and behold, I guess it didn't win us the game, but it was pretty important when Selwood um, kicked that goal. Um, and then also did the Caddy-esque, you know... <laughs> Remonstrations with the crowd to get them fired up. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think he's been really good, and um, and yeah, as we said earlier, has made a big difference to this whole sort of attitude um, of the side. Yep, it's hard to argue with that. Um, I'm probably taking one out. It's probably obvious, but I haven't. I've had to do this every show, so I need to pick some different targets. So it's probably one of the obvious ones, but Joel Selwood, and mostly what I mean is just, I mean, we generally know what we're going to get. I think he's had one poor game that I can, where Greenwood got him, but his efforts to will himself to the contest and almost to just drag the team with him are just phenomenal and especially when you're there seeing it every week just the effort and the running and the work he puts in it's just um it's just mind-blowing i reckon and i could think of three games at least three of our wins this year being against north i reckon against the doggies and against uh, port on the thursday night just gone where he just in the last quarter almost felt like he just picked up the team and dragged them along with him that just the way he runs from contest to contest, it's just this exceptional desire to win. So, I mean, let's be honest, he's been flying for the better part of 10 years. So, um, it's probably a bit of an obvious one, but yeah, I reckon he's just almost in awe of watching him at times recently. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a definitely a good one. And now yeah. uh, onto your flopper, who's battling at the moment. I'll start again with you, CE. Yeah, um, the way I look at this one is the player who I think is performing kind of the biggest gap below what he is capable of at the moment, I think, is um, is Cameron Guthrie. Um, he's he's probably been one in previous years where his, um, his consistency has been... Um, one of his one of the features of his game, but this season he's he's had that injury in the preseason, and I think he missed the first couple of games. And he seems like he's he's never really got going. Um, 
and he's been tried back and tried in the midfield, um, but he doesn't seem to have that sort of explosive um, impact on the game that he has had in previous years. His his numbers are definitely down. Um, I don't think he's done any particularly exceptional jobs, but I might have, might have missed that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's one who can really offer a lot, lot, lot more than he has um, this season. And maybe that's a good sign. Maybe that's ahead of him in the second half of the year, but he's one who I think's really flopped so far this year. Yep. Just a... I'm going to be incredibly specific. Remember when he first started playing and Jordan Murdoch used to just be able to throw the ball on his boot and it would sail through the middle of the goals no matter what position he was in? Have you you noticed how he's tried that a couple of times the last couple of weeks and every time it's just gone floating into the stands for out of bounds on the full? Yeah. The magic's gone, mate. It's just, you know, look for the handball. I'm going to say, if you're looking at Murdoch, it's, he, I've actually thought he's been all right the last couple of weeks. I've never seen him. He looks more aggressive than I've seen him. And, and uh, he's, he's definitely he's definitely putting in a shift. And um, I think, as I said on the board, like he's, he's a physically powerful guy. And I think, um, and I think that's the strongest part of his, his game is his ability to, to hit contests hard and um, everything like that. And I'll just add that my flopper is and just... Because we've had a couple of good wins, I won't be too serious. But my flopper at the moment is Queensland because they are getting belted in the Star of Origin at the moment. So be a bit of a dark time up in Queensland, I'm guessing, at the moment. Now, that's all we have time for. So thanks very much for being involved again, Cat Empire. Thanks for having me on, Willow. Good to be here again. Thanks for your time again, Jester. Thanks, mate. It was an absolute pleasure to be on. I, you know, it, um, it's a pity it ended the way it did, but you know, I hope we're still eligible for the t-shirts. <laughs> and on that note, uh, that'll be all. <laughs>